Today on episode number 504 of the School of Podcasting, we're going to clear up some confusion about iTunes, and Jim Harold is making a living talking about ghosts. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your professional podcast mentor, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, hey, can I give you a little tip? I got so much feedback on last week's show. Go back to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 503, where I was basically preaching the truth about podcasting and making a compelling podcast. Man, thanks to everybody who wrote in and said, man, you were on fire. And I want to give a special thanks to... Uh, Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast, and the one and only John Lee Dumas, both featured, uh, basically mentioned that episode in their newsletters. How cool is that? So uh, check out Daniel at the Audacity to Podcast.com. Check out John Lee Dumas over at EOFire.com. And uh, what we do here on the show is I help you massage your message, I help you tackle that technology, I help you face your fears. And uh, flatten that learning curve and get you on the road to pain-free podcasting. And we're going to start off, everybody's been asking me, if you're uh, new to the show, I started this week working for Libsyn. And Libsyn is a podcast media host, been around since 2004, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It's it's giving me exactly what I thought it was, which is an insight into podcasting that I could not get any place else. So we're going to start off this morning with a little podcasting tutorial here. And uh, first things first, there is this uh, new way that you submit your show to iTunes. And that website is podcasts with an S podcastsconnect.apple.com. And I'm just going to make this really short, sweet, get to it, get in, get out. You use this to submit your show to iTunes. And as of March 6th, 2016. That's about all you want to do here because you can really shoot yourself in the foot. So the whole changing the feed thing, no, 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 no. The whole other, the mirror, no, no. Submit your podcast there and then leave it alone. There is a refresh button, leave it alone. There are special circumstances when you might use that, but they're really, really special. And I'm just telling you, trust me, leave it alone. Because you don't want to go, oh, but I didn't, oh, it does that, oh, oh, yeah, I see, leave it alone. Submit your podcast there, and then that's it, you're done. So this is the other thing, I want to talk about iTunes, and it is somewhat confusing, because here's the thing, you submit an iTunes-compatible RSS feed to the iTunes store, right, using podcastconnect.apple.com. And they then give you a link in iTunes. And in this aspect, iTunes is a little bit like a phone book. It's just a big old listing of tons and tons and tons of podcasts. So what I want to do here, because we have to talk a little geek speak here, is I want to use colors instead of feeds. All right, we're just going to just to make things a little easier. So let's say your original iTunes compliant feed is blue. It's blue. And you go to iTunes, the store, and you say, hey, here's my blue feed. And they go, cool, we're going to list you in our big giant phone book. 
And they're like, great. And a couple days later, you get a, a thing that says, hey, here's your new link to our show. It's red. Right. So I got my blue original feed and I got my red iTunes link. So then you put a link to the red feed on your website. And when people click that, it goes to the big giant iTunes phone book. And there you are. Oh, I'm in iTunes. And it's awesome. Now, when somebody looks at that, they go, wow, I like your artwork. I like the name of your show. And you see the name Paranormal Podcast. You see his cool artwork. Yeah, cool. You see all the titles of his headlines of his episodes. You're like, oh, man, I, I need me some more of this. And you click subscribe. So the the red link took you to your, your listing in iTunes. And when you click subscribe, what does iTunes do? It sets your subscription to look at your original blue feed. And at that point, iTunes is almost out of the picture. Because by clicking on that red link, and again, we're just using colors to kind of make this easier. By clicking on that red link and saying subscribe, iTunes can go up. He's got a subscriber. That's why they give you that link. So they can track subscriptions. And that works the whole charts. So here's the thing then. You have your listing in the phone book. And have you ever had to move? Have you ever had to move? Like you might tell your friends, hey, here's my new address. And you call them on the phone because you have that direct connection to them. And you say, here's my new address. Here's my new address. And these are the people that you deal with on a regular basis. And they know your new address. Now you might not be updated in the phone book until next year, because that's how often they put out a new phone book. Well, with iTunes, they refresh your listing about every 24 hours-ish. Sometimes sooner, sometimes a lot longer. But here's the thing. Anybody that has subscribed to your show is looking at your original blue feed. So when you publish a new episode, even if it doesn't show up in iTunes, they're getting your episode. So here's my advice. And this is something that we all should be doing. I do. Subscribe to your own show. This way, when you're like, and you go to iTunes, because you want to see where you're ranking at, even though I will tell you over and over and over, there's not a lot of value in that. Hey, look, I'm down four spots. Oh, my life is over. Ah! When you go there and you go, hey, holy cow, I published this episode last night at 10 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock in the morning and it's not in iTunes. You go to your podcast app, whatever you're using, and if everything is working right, which 99% of the time it is, your show will be there. Because iTunes, when you said subscribe, pointed that app right back at your original feed. Now, when iTunes refreshes and comes around and checks your podcast, along with the other 249,000 that are probably active in their directory, that's why it takes a while, then it will show up. So just because your episode doesn't show up in the iTunes store, does not mean that when people subscribe, they will get that latest episode. So stay calm, get off the ledge, check your uh, your own subscription in whatever app you're using. I use Overcast uh, .fm, but uh, I was previously using the podcast app. Could be uh, things like that. So 
that's the the little lesson I wanted to give today because it's really easy to get confusing because there's this feed and then that feed and then there's the, the there I am in iTunes, but it's not showing up. Yeah, subscribe to your feed because the, your subscribers will get it. Now, anybody that's checking out your show in iTunes won't. And what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to quit. Stop paying Apple because it is free to list your show in iTunes. They have 200 and 200 plus thousand podcasts to update. So it's going to take a little while and that's okay. So that is my little lesson for today. And the reason I brought that up is because last week Apple had a little bit of a problem and there's probably going to be a few more problems coming down the pike because they just launched this podcasts connect.apple thing. And there are going to be a lot of people that don't listen to this show that will shoot themselves in the foot. And they've also updated their specs. If you want to be featured, key point, you need to have artwork now that's 3,000 by 3,000 pixels and less than 500 kilobytes. And uh, typically it's JPEG file. So if you're like me and you have the 1,400 by 1,400, that will still work fine. But eventually we're going to have to update that. So with that, I think iTunes is refreshing everyone's feed and they're looking at that image And so if your image is not at least 1400 by 1400, my guess is it's going to disappear, not your show, the artwork. So if your show is, if your artwork is not at least 1400 by 1400, uh, I would update it to 3000 by 3000 pixels and go to town on that. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world one download at a time. But what we really want to talk about today, and if you haven't figured this out, I like to do shows where it's just me talking to you. I really do like that. I had fun this weekend. I was at WordCamp Dayton, and I got to hang out with the one and only Steve Stewart from stevestewart.me. Got to hang out with Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast. Got to catch up with Ray Gooch. Yeah, Ray, the one and only. You can find Ray over at jobsearchthatworks.com. And Dustin Hartzler from uh, Your Website Engineer and met a whole bunch of new people. And again, um, it was weird because it wasn't a podcasting thing. In reality, the reason I went there is I want to hang out with Daniel and Steve and uh, Dustin. And I knew a bunch of people were going and uh, it was a great time. Oh, and I I, I could forget. Uh, Stargate Pioneer got to hang out with him and he bought me breakfast. How cool was that? So can't forget the guy that brought you bought you eggs. Holy cow. And that's why I hate naming names. Uh, and I'm also, last week I was uh, loopy on Dramamine. This week I'm loopy on a lack of sleep. So it was a lot of fun doing that. And uh, I'll probably talk more about that. But I want to get to Jim. And so I am occasionally going to be interviewing people who are straight up making a living, not a million dollars, but they are making a living. They've quit their day job because I think a lot of us want to quit our day job and do podcasting full-time. And that's cool, uh, but it's not happening a lot. So the few people that are able to do this, I want to talk to. I'm going to have Danny Pena on the show, who is phenomenal. Uh, You want to talk about knowledge bombs. Holy moly. This guy, and this guy did it all without iTunes. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. That's what I love to hear. People that are just working it. So Jim is a guy that has been working it, And you'll hear in this episode, we're going to talk about things like the fact that Jim just likes paranormal stuff. That's what he grew up reading. 
He got his first sponsor after six months, but it took him years, years, not weeks, not months, years before he was able to actually leave the day job. And a lot of great uh, insights here. The other thing I want to point out, originally I was going to air this episode last week. So you'll hear me at the end of the interview say, everybody I, I'm talking about, go to schoolpodcasting.com slash 503. Well, I pushed this back an episode and it's 504. So when I say 503, you say 504 in your head. So without further ado, oh, the other thing I got to mention here is this was recorded in a McDonald's. You'll hear me say that. And we are using a Zoom H5 with two Audio-Technica 2005 slash 2100 microphones plugged in. And so there was a little ambiance here with the McDonald's in the background. But the good news is this is where dynamic mics don't pick up as much background noise. And I could have spent another hour on this putting in noise gates. I could have ran it through Auphonic. All I did was number one. I made sure we had good levels when we recorded it. We were both fairly close to the microphone, so I didn't have to turn up the microphones a ton. And I was listening to it, and I just went and uh, combined them, the two stereo tracks to one mono track. And I was listening to it through my computer speakers. And I'm sure if you're listening in headphones, you're like, oh, I, I hear the McDonald's stuff in the background. And I just went, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this in the car, it's going to be okay. And it adds a little ambiance. So that's how we did this recording. And I just, again, I'm not an audio snob. I could have run this through Auphonic. Maybe I'll do that next week. We'll play a little how we could have done this and does it make a difference. That'll definitely be something we talk about. But right now, I really am going to shut up and get to my interview with Jim Harold from the Paranormal Podcast. You can find him at jimherald.com. Live from McDonald's. Yeah, we're high class. That's it. And uh, so if you hear a little Bon Jovi in the background or whatever's coming across the speaker, we're going to leave that in there. I said last week, I said I stumbled across Jim Harold and uh, said, oh, I got to do a deep dive with this guy because uh, I'm bringing him here because he is making a living. Now, he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't have a yacht no. or a, uh, things like that, but uh, he's replaced his former income uh, with his podcast, so I'm here to find out like how how you do that. So, uh, Jim, okay. thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's good to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. I've listened to you on and off for several years. Uh, you know, we live in the same area, so it's kind of weird we've not run into each other. But I'm kind of in my bunker editing my podcast, so <laughs> I, I only come up for air occasionally. That's it. We're all that's me. I'm in my office. I rarely see the living room, let alone right. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, first things first. Tell us about your podcast. Well, my podcasts are on the paranormal. Okay. And uh, for those of you who watch the shows on TV, that doesn't mean I, I run around with the infrared camera and, and say, ooh, did you hear that? But I actually try to take kind of a uh, serious look at the paranormal. Uh, my first podcast, which is here to this day, is the Paranormal Podcast, which is basically interviews with authors and experts on different areas of the paranormal. Somebody called it, if people remember Art Bell, they yeah. called it NPR meets Art Bell. And I love that discussion, uh, that, nice. uh, that, that description. And so that's my main show. And then in 2009, I started another show, which is actually in some ways outstripped the first show, called Jim Harold's Campfire, True Ghost Stories. Now, we're on the main show, we talk about everything from Bigfoot, because some people think that's 
paranormal. I, I don't. I'm kind of skeptical on Bigfoot, but uh, or UFOs or ghosts, a whole range. Uh, on this show, we mainly talk about ghost stories, although we get into premonitions and things. And this is where folks call in and share their true stories of strange things that happen to them. And I love that show because I love when I get a caller that says, you know, I don't really believe in this stuff. You know, I'm not really into this stuff, but this particular thing happened to me and I can't explain it for the life of me. So that's the idea of that show. Just regular people saying when they run across the supernatural in their everyday lives. When you say it's a true ghost story, there's no way to like... Well, I know. I don't go and launch an investigation. <laughs> I do ask that people be sincere right. in what they say, and they are saying these things happen to them. And the vast majority of people that I talk to, I believe, are very sincere yeah. in thinking that something happened to them. Now, someone asked me, do you believe in all of this stuff? I do believe in the paranormal. I do believe there are things outside this realm we don't understand. I mean, if you believe, in a way, if you believe in any of the major religions, you believe in the supernatural. Right. Now, do I believe each and every claim? No. And in some ways, it's, it's funny because doing these shows for almost 11 years now, which sounds really strange to say, I've become more skeptical about any specific claim, but more convinced that there is something going on. I've just heard too much from too many different people, doctors, lawyers, people of all uh, walks of life, ditch diggers. That doesn't mean that their stories aren't any less right. valid. So I really do believe there's something going on. Do I have the answers? No. Um, is it a lot of fun and interesting and thought-provoking to ask the questions? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say that's, that's got to be the fun part. And let's go back just a little bit. Why did you get into podcasting? Okay, so um, I'm in my mid-40s, and I had gone to school for broadcasting, and I was, a great, I was a great broadcasting student. It looked like I was all set to go out and have a career behind the mic, you know. I won the awards, did all the student productions and everything, and then I got a job here in the Cleveland area with a local radio station. Now, what we used to be told, and this is pre-internet is that you get a job at any station you can that has call letters if it's sweeping the floor because then I became a sales assistant because I thought, well, I'll get in this way and then I'll weasel my way in and, you know, get on air and all of that. Well, that was the wrong thing to do if I wanted to be on air. I should have gone to a small market and worked my way up. That's the way you used to have to do it before the Internet. So anyway, let's fast forward to about 12 years later. I'm in my mid-30s. I've got a mortgage. I've got a wife. I've got two kids. I'm a salesperson uh, for a local radio station. And on, in the business, but in the, the, the business side of the business, which was not at all what, I had, what I had jumped. And then uh, I have always loved talk radio. So one day I Googled uh, Leo Laporte because I remember watching him way back from ZDTV and Tech TV. And, oh, he's got – you can stream – this is 2005. You can stream his show from KFI. And then I streamed the show and listened to him. He started talking about this thing called podcast. I guess some kid had called up to his show and said, you ought to put this on a podcast. So he did, which changed his life. And hearing him changed my life. I started to listen to him and then Adam Curry. Adam Curry's doing podcasting, Daily Source Code. Oh, Adam Curry and Dave Weiner, as you recently pointed out, invented podcasting. So I started listening to those guys. And I'm like, man, I can never do what they do. They're so pro. They're so great. And then I listened to some of the other podcasts out there oh. <laughs> that were done like at People's Basement with a, with a Plantronics headset. And I'm like, but I could do that. <laughs> and I started... 
uh, with a Plantronics, literally a Plantronics USB headset. Don't do that today. I don't recommend <laughs> that today necessarily. There's a lot better options like the mics we're using today, actually, but um, that are inexpensive and very accessible. But that time, that was kind of you wanted to, that was the start. And uh, dabbled for three years. Put a show out, wouldn't put a show out, got a management job, so I really didn't put a show out for a long time. And then um, 2008 came, and I remember when this happened exactly. I had my classic iPod on. I was listening to Dan Carlin, Mm -hmm. who is a genius. Right. And I was at my, and this might make me a bad dad, but I was at my youngest daughter's t-ball game listening to Dan Carlin. You know, multitasking. Exactly. So anyway... I said, and I heard, this program's brought to you by Audible. And it's like, well, you know what? And, and by that time, I'd switched jobs again. I was actually working for a big conglomerate, which will name, uh, remain, remain unnamed. Yeah. yeah, remain nameless. But they've got three letters, and you know the name. <laughs> and um, I was a kind of a manager, middle manager for them. And I thought that was going to be my dream job. And it was like, yeah, it's okay. It's a job, but it's not, it's not going to be my life. I'm like, but... People keep emailing me to put out another show. When am I going to put out a new episode? I said, wait, now I'm not the smartest guy. But I've got this one thing I'm beating my head against the wall. And I've got this other thing people are constantly asking me to, to do. Jim, when are you going to put out a show? I told my wife, six months. I'm going to give it six months. I'm going to put out a show every week. And we'll see what happens. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. While keeping my daytime regular job. I did that for six months, almost six months, not to the day, but within a month or so of it, I got uh, a contact for a sponsorship. Somebody wanted to sponsor a show, one of the big uh, companies, actually, it was Audible. And it was the company that they worked through because they were sponsoring every podcast in creation and they <laughs> still do a lot. And they still, right. hey, they still work with me. So uh, anyway... I said, that's the sign, right? There's the sign from the universe. Oh. Yeah, exactly, that, that this is going to catch on. So I kept doing it. I added another podcast. I actually co-hosted a video podcast with Clayton Morse, who is uh, like a national anchor on Fox News uh, on their weekend show, and he still does that. Did that show a couple of weeks, with, uh, a couple of weeks, a couple of years with him. And it just started to grow and grow, and the free shows grew, and I got a little more sponsorship. And I'm like, I wonder if somebody would pay for premium content for more shows. And crazy as I was, this is 2000, would have been 2010? 2010, I think. I said, I am going to try a plus club. And the first day, probably, I think between 100 and 200 people signed up. Nice. And I said, aha, this is my second sign. And and pretty much from that point on, I had an eye to gradually wean myself off the day job and make this a full-time gig. In the interim, books have come into the scene. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I was joking with you. I pulled up an 11-year-old Accord, so I'm not rolling in in (laughs) money. My wife has the new car. Well, let's let's back up a second. With (laughs) the Plus Club, what is the Plus Club? The Plus Club, okay. Well, I have my free shows, the Paranormal Podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire. Also, I have, like most podcasters, I have, like, other podcasts that I don't mention much, but I have one called TV You Grew Up With on Classic TV. I make no money on that, but that's just kind of fun. It's a passion project. And um, 
I got to hey, I got to interview Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Dude, so it was worth that. That was worth everything. Cross that off the bucket. That's list. exactly right. And then uh, and then uh, also the Paranormal Report, which kind of pod faded, but we're bringing it back with uh, with uh, another co-host, Micah Hanks, who is fantastic. But anyway, the two main shows, Campfire Paranormal Podcast. Uh, basically, you get all the archives that are ninety days or older. Uh, if you're in a plus club. So they're live for 90 days, and then they roll off into the archive. And I know a lot of people like Marin, and people do that. And then I have a whole other series of podcasts that I produce that have never been on the free side. I have one specifically on ghosts called Ghost Insight, one on UFOs called UFO Encounters, one called Conspiracy Corner, where we uh, I, I have a virtual assistant, and we call it the JFK Show, because we right. <laughs> it seems like every other show's on the latest uh, JFK. K plot. Uh, then we have the crime scene where I talk to people and authors about true crime, which is kind of related, but it's kind of it's like a Venn diagram. It's kind of intersecting there, and um, that seems to that seems and ancient mysteries on the air, which is the newest addition to the Plus Club. And I also hire uh, speakers to give basically webinars on these topics, the talks that they would give out at. Um, different so, conferences so it's a lot of content yeah i mean there's over over in the plus club right now there's over 1100 shows wow and uh there's probably about 30 hours of webinar content and that may be actually underestimating that piece of it when people hear about my shows which by the way are available at jimherald.com and wherever fine podcasts are heard <laughs> I don't even want you to go over to the paid site. If you're interested in the paranormal, just go over to the free site. Listen to all the stuff over there. There's hours of content for free. And then if you become a super fan and say, boy, I'd like to hear all those shows going back to 2005, then we can talk about the Plus Club over at jimherald.net. And that costs how much? $7.95 a month or $79.50 a year. And then periodically I'll have different specials. So if I sign up for $7.95... Do I get everything, or is it like, here's... No, you get everything. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, I know there's different people who feel that you should drip the content. Yeah. And then the other thing is that people say, well, you know, they'll sign up for a month and they'll download everything. And that, I'm sure that has happened. But I think most people are honorable, mm. and they'll try to... It, particularly, I look at what we do a lot like NPR, is if they like you enough and they realize you're not... You know, you're not driving uh, two Escalades. Um, I'm not even driving one Escalade. Uh, but but if they realize that you're a working person, you're doing the best you can, and this is not only a business, but it's also your passion, you're hoping that most right. people will support you. And I think most people do. Yeah, that's I, that's the same That's one. the way I feel. I mean, yeah, I mean. I was going to drip the school of podcasting. And yeah. I went, you know what, let's just keep it simple. And if somebody wants to come in and spend a weekend and take everything I got and run, at least they paid something. Yeah, they didn't yeah. get off a torrent site. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So you got the you started the books. And let's yeah. talk about your first book. Well, the first book was traditionally published. And actually, I'm glad that I did that because I can say I'm a traditionally published author. But honestly, I don't think they marketed it the right way. You know, it was cool to walk in Barnes & Noble and see my book, Jim Harold's Campfire, sitting there alongside uh, the, the other the other popular authors and so forth. But other than kind of that ego boost and, and kind of the credit, financially, it wasn't that good of a deal. So I had a two-year non-compete, and I couldn't write another book in that area for two years. So like... <laughs> two two years and one day later, I released book two, right. which did very, very well. 
I mean, and we're not talking Stephen King numbers here, but we're talking number one in its category on the Kindle, the supernatural category. So then the next year I came out with three. The next year I came out with four. Ended up buying back the rights to number one, which made me more money in two months, me having the rights, than it did like the whole time that it had been traditionally published. So for me, traditional uh, publishing, it's great. For some people, for me, self-publishing has been much like podcasting. It's It's been a real boon. So before you bought the rights back, you come out with book number two, right? Mm-hmm. Shoots up the charts. Yeah. Is it like mind-boggling different in terms of money compared? I don't want to get in your wallet, but is it no. like? Well, I, I mean, it's substantial. Let's yeah. put it that way. I, I mean, it's substantial. There's a I reason mean, why you came out with a self-published on the third. <laughs> yeah, and the fourth, and now I'm working on the fifth. Yeah. And the thing is, is that um, this is an example. And Dave, I think you know it better than anybody. I've been listening to you for quite a while. Podcasting can open doors for you that you can't imagine. You know, next month I'll be flying out uh, to do a TV show with George Norrie of Coast to Coast AM, which is the biggest nighttime radio show in the United States. And I've been on that show four times. That would have never happened without podcasting. I would have never written these books without podcasting. Uh, I'd never be able to quit my day job without podcasting. So podcasting to me has just been, uh, you know, it's become my professional life. I don't want to say it's my life because loved ones and my wife and kids are more important than podcasting. But other than that, I mean, it's really just kind of kind of made my career for me. And I, and I only see it growing. I only see all this growing. I was telling you earlier, I think I grow at about 10% a year. Nice. Uh, I don't think that, you know, if I went on Shark Tank, they would like, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. So uh, I don't want to give people the wrong idea. Uh, but I think if you're looking to, uh, you know, be a middle class person and make an income, it is doable. I don't know that it's doable for everybody, but it's doable for a lot of people. And I was lucky I got in early. One thing I was very fortunate about when I was going to name the first show, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's and remember Podcast Alley. I don't oh, know yeah. if that even exists. Oh, anymore. Yeah, it but does. Anyway, <laughs> There's nothing on it. But I remember going on there looking for paranormal podcasts. I'm like, oh my god, there's 20 of them. How am I ever going to do this? Now there's probably 20,000. But I remember, what am I going to call this? Now it's paranormal, and it's a podcast. It's the paranormal. It's a podcast. I'm not the the, the brightest guy <laughs> in the world, the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I'm like, well, what about paranormal podcast? Uh, mm. Somebody's got that. Somebody's got to have that. Oh. And I looked, I'm like, nobody had it. And I said, bingo. I think in some ways that was one of my luckiest breaks because everybody out there, Google Paranormal Podcast and guess up who comes up number one yeah. and two. So I think that was actually a very lucky break. And that was something that was luck because I got in early. What would be an inside baseball kind of term for that? So if they called it, you know. The EMF meter. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, something like that. That's actually a good. That's a, <laughs> that's a good name for a... Uh, for a ghost hunting podcast. Yeah, but but only but nobody's searching for EMF right. meter. That's the right. whole point. But if you right. type in paranormal, oh, here we go. Right. So that's a yeah, you went for the obvious. I always tell people the name of your show is the headline. It's the first headline people see. And so when you try to get cute or I did that. I have a show called I think I mentioned it TV you grew up with. It's a really good show. I've interviewed Don Wells from Gilligan's Island, Linda Gray from Dallas, Judy Norton Taylor from The Walton. She played Mary Ellen, had a huge crush on her when I was a kid, so I was like, uh, the whole time I was talking Mary to her. Mary Ellen. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Beautiful one. But the anyway, hot one, yes. 
A beautiful woman. I'm a gentleman. Uh, Don Most, Ralph Mouth from Happy Days. A go. great show. I mean, I mean, I really, I don't mean to blow my horn, but it's a really good show. You have but a new I subscriber it, when the show is done. But I called it TV You Grew Up With, okay. which I don't think is a good name. I should have just called it uh, Classic TV Talk or, or, or something like mm. that. I should have made it because I think that's held that show back. Now, I've only produced in the last year maybe 20 episodes. That's also holding it back. Folks, be consistent with your production because it's kind of a passion project and I've not even tried to monetize it yet. But the point is, is that I'm moving along with that. And eventually I do want to grow that audience, monetize it. But that's a case where if I could take it back, and I guess I could, uh, I rename that show to something a little more hit you over the head, you know. Right. Well, speaking of, of producing shows, let's since you, obviously you're creating a podcast of, of value that people are even willing to pay for, which is even better. How long does it take? Well, first of all, how often do you publish? And then how long does it take you to create an episode? Actually, my interview shows are very quick. I mean, basically, I do them just like we're doing this, basically live to tape. I'm dating myself tape, but (laughs) I'll call it tape until I die, so it's tape. And then edited, it's actually very quick. In fact, my Plus Club shows are the fastest shows to produce because I don't put commercials in them. Ah. That's part of the deal. If you buy the Plus Club, the Plus Only shows never have advertiser messages. So those are, you know, 40 minutes to record the show and maybe 10, 20 minutes to edit. My process is I use Adobe Audition, used Audacity for years, but I just clean up, make sure there's, you know, I have a gate and everything, but I make sure there's no, like, uh, Jim hit his mic, you know, I get all that stuff out of there. If the same thing happens on the other end, I output it. I run it through Auphonic, which I love. <laughs> God bless Auphonic. And, oh, it's fantastic. And uh, then I put it out. Those are very fast. Um, the, the thing is, I listen to every show I put out in full, though. Mm. In other words, I don't edit it and post it immediately. I know some people do that. But I think it was Rob Walsh who said, never do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't do that because, you know, what if I accidentally left my mic on when I... You know, said, ah, darn I, except I didn't say darn. You know, I, I missed that edit or something. And so many times you listen, it's like, oh, I totally forgot about that. So that's what takes the time is listening. So maybe a plus club show, maybe an hour and a half. Right. Paranormal podcast is pretty quick, maybe hour, 45 minutes. Campfire, what I do is I have a form where people sign up to tell their stories. I have times when I record the stories. Mm-hmm. That's much more kind of like putting together a railroad model set with different boxcars I've been mixed that could take three or four hours because I'm mixing you know I might have a call from last month and a call from this month and then I have to do various uh, voiceovers to to make it all work together to make it sound like one show so that may take three or four hours so how are you getting those is that just a phone number are they doing a speak pipe are they doing how are you getting that audio from your audience no it's actually like a little mini interview Okay. Uh, it's um, so basically I say sign up between two. I have a form on my site and I say sign up between 10 p.m. and 1130 p.m. on Tuesday night. We get your email automatically. You give me a two or three sentence synopsis of your story. I email you back or my VA emails you back. I have a part time VA confirming that I'll be calling. Then I call you and I do a little mini interview about your story and tell you ask you to keep it under 10 minutes. Awesome. Well, when did you get the VA? Almost well. This year will be two years. Okay. And the crazy thing is, I was I was producing just as much content as I am now, and working a full time job without a VA, and wow. I did that for about probably this level for what would it have been 
two years or no, a year and a half. No, about two years. I'm starting to lose track of time. You know, this happens when you get old. But anyway, the, the point is, is that I don't know how I did that. And there's no way I could have done that or continued to do that indefinitely. I would have dropped over with a heart attack. Right. Now, what do you have your VA doing? She basically sets appointments for me. That's mainly what she does. We have a shared Google calendar. And I say, okay, here's a list of six authors. And uh, go get them. And then I've also had her lately help me out more with advertisers. Find potential advertisers. We have kind of a form letter that talks about me and the shows. And here's six companies. Find out who to send this to, send this to, and see if we can get some feedback and set up a meeting. And then I take the meeting. So she doesn't actually talk to them. She just gets them. Sets the meeting. Yeah. Got it. Well, speaking of advertisers, that's uh, one of your – it's in your background. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. How – you know, it's not like it's – a fitness show where you can, you know, pump, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, here, uh, th- the thigh master and the... Exactly. You know. <laughs> and that's the tough thing. I mean, in terms of making money, because people automatically think that because it's the paranormal thing that, oh, he saw the ghost hunting show, so he thought he could make a bunch of money because those are so popular. Well, no, first of all, I'm not a huge fan of the ghost hunting shows. I go back to, and I was inspired by things like In Search Of and mm. Unsolved Mysteries. That's the stuff I like. Nothing against the ghost hunters. I I have them on the show. I just had one of the main guys on the show last week. But it's not my thing. So, But the thing is, is really, if you're looking to make a podcast, to make money, what you need to do is find a market where there's a natural tie-in, just like you talked about, the health fitness thing. You know, you you do a fitness show and then you, you, you sell thigh masters or whatever it might be. I didn't think about it that way when I did this. When I started this show, I thought about, A, I love to broadcast, and I want to express my heart uh, by being in front of the mic. And then secondly, I want to do it on something that really interests me and has always interested me. And as a kid growing up, when I went to the library bookstore, one of the first sections I went to was the paranormal thing. Loved paranormal talk radio. People like Art Bell. People like George Murray. But I didn't really see anything of that quality in a podcast space. And I thought, well, maybe that's something I can do. So I've kind of gone for more general advertisers. I have Audible. I have Casper. I have a company called Scott Evest uh, does some things with me. They have a fantastic product, by the way. And I've gone out and I've gotten some directly. Okay. And others, I have worked through uh, the different companies out there that place advertising. You know the names. And uh, so, you know, that's actually an area I feel, ironically, having had a career in radio sales and advertising is an area. Last year, I made a big improvement, and it's something I want to improve even more so this year and have a better fill rate on my shows. It's interesting when you podcast for business, for a living, you've got to kind of have a split brain. You know, it's kind of like a radio station. Anybody's ever worked in a radio station, you know there's like this divide between programming and sales. And they always kind of meet at loggerheads. Programming, sales. Well, that's going on in my head. You know, I've got programming on one side and sales on the other. But really, the program, I'm probably, even though I come from a sales background, probably my brain's about 75% programming, 25% sales. I've probably not been nearly as good a business person with this as I could have been if, if business were my real focus. But I know I have to do it, and I am determined to grow this over time. And and basically, my goal is, is if somebody thinks about podcasts and the paranormal, I'm the first person that comes to mind. I mean, it's done well. The show right now, as of this morning, I check every day, number 13 on the science charts 
on iTunes for Paranormal Podcast. Now, I know the, the skeptics will hate that it's in the science category, but there's a reason it's there. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is that I, if anything, I critique myself for not being business-minded enough. Do you have anybody who's never advertised on a podcast that you've yes. talked into? Yes. How much of an education process was that? I think that they have to understand. I, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer, and I don't know if it's you or Rob Walsh or, or people that I've heard kind of critique this, but I do use – I explain podcasts, but I still – especially in the past, not so much now. It's getting much better now. But you had to almost say on-demand radio, radio. Right. It's like a DVR, and you can listen to it anytime you want. Oh, I got it. That's really starting to fall by the wayside. I think that's the, the opportunity we had here have here is now – we don't necessarily have to explain what it is to, to most people. And, and particularly, we live in Cleveland. I mean, I love Cleveland, but it's not the most tech-savvy area in the country. <laughs> and, you know, you pull your hair out, you podcast, you what cast? And then about a year ago, I had to go to the doctor for some minor blood test or something. I was talking to the technician. She's, uh, and she said, well, what do you do? And I, I told her, and I said, well, let me explain podcasts. She's like, and this was a middle-aged woman. This was not a really young right. woman. She's like, no, I know what they are. And I'm finding that more and more. I feel that I want to explain it to people. And people are like, oh, I know what that is. So I think that it's only going to get better. I think that you do have to educate people. And it's a different way of thinking. And, and we haven't even talked about this, but I happen to be listening to the feed from Libsyn yesterday. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And... It, I thought you guys hit it so much on the head. Uh, I, I think the education process is for people to, in, in relation to advertising, is to understand that a podcast ad does not equal a radio ad. Mm. In other words, when I think of radio ads, I think of very prepackaged, thirty to sixty second, usually produced, uh, pre-produced, usually not a live read, uh, usually agency produced. So it sounds very staged. I think the best podcast ads and the ones that work are where the people, the the host, who already has a relation, they they might not have uh, a cume of uh, a cumulative audience of three or four hundred thousand people, but they might have a thousand or five thousand who really feel as they know them. I mean, today I walked in. I've never met you in person, but I feel I know you because I've listened to you for many years on your program. So it's a different relationship than with most radio hosts. So it's a different kind of ad, and I think it's a much more effective ad. You don't need to have 300,000 people listening. It could be, if it's well targeted, it can be very effective with just a few thousand people. So it's a much more powerful ad, and that's why, to your point on the the feed podcast uh, that I just listened to, you know, those higher CPMs or cost per thousand are justified because you're getting a higher quality relationship and a better endorsement. But I also think there's a difference as well. Most radio stations, most, not all of them, but most will take ads for almost anything. You know, if Satan wanted to come on and say, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're signing up people down here, you know, they would take it. I think podcasters have to be much more choosy on who they decide to associate themselves with mm-hmm. and i don't think if they think a product is substandard they should not endorse it because they may be pennywise and pound foolish in that they endorse it today they make a few bucks then people find out it's a scam or right. it's not a good deal have you and turned down any sponsors yes Have you? yes uh, some guy wanted to do this supplement kind of thing and i'll send you a few thousand dollars and blah 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 and this is something that 
that that radio people had done. You would hear radio spots on right. the air, and and just like no, you know, I don't want to be the reason that Aunt Millie doesn't take her take her medicine, you know, <laughs> and something happens. And it's funny, but it's not funny because I I really do value my audience. I feel that. I would, and I'm kind of weird like this, but I would feel personally responsible if I endorse something and somebody, you know, um, didn't take their medication or something like that. I would really feel badly about that. And I don't want to align myself with things that are uh, disreputable or, or not, in my opinion, good. Sure. And maybe that's why I don't have more sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> VitaGuard lacks slim, whatever it would be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, over the years, what have you been doing to, like, how, do, how have you been growing your audience? You said it's been going up about 10% a year. Yeah. Anything in particular you're doing to? Well, I can tell you one thing that I'm going to tell you the thing right now, which really is getting my interest. Um, I have been active on social media for, you know, almost a decade. Uh, I remember teaching a class here at one of the local colleges in 2008 and telling them about Twitter, and they all kind of looked at me like, what is this guy talking about? So I have a long relationship with social media, and I've been moderately successful, but not hugely. I mean, I have like 13,000 followers on Twitter. It's an, it's not a massive audience or anything like right. that, and probably 20,000. I have so many pages on Facebook. Uh, so it's not a huge audience. It's a decent audience, but not huge. But groups... I highly recommend Facebook groups. Yeah. I started one in October, and again, this is not Ast- Aston Kutcher numbers, but um, I think we have almost 5,000 members now. And it's an active community. It's uh, on the, the campfire theme. And the thing is, is that I think with n- Facebook playing so many games with the algorithm, I think the groups, until they change that too, are an excellent way <laughs> are an excellent way to get a community and grow a community, and that's what I've been uh, focusing on. and And I just feel a bubbling up. And this is a place where people are sharing their ghost stories. It's actually, and you can join it. It's called Jim Harold's Virtual Campfire, and it's free. And people are actually writing out their stories and sharing them on the page. And it's becoming it's a great way to kind of get people in because somebody might say, "Hey, you know." Um, you ought to go over to this Facebook page, join this group. There's a lot of great stories to read. Hmm. And they start reading the stories, and I keep popping up with my latest podcast, and they might say, you mean I can listen to these Yeah. with my smartphone? You know, So that's one of the things. It's just grown very organically. I played around with Facebook ads, didn't have a lot of success. Uh, I'm still playing around with, for myself, publishing efforts, but it's all been very organic. It's not been... Uh, you know, this particular plan or that particular plan. I do regularly ask my audience to spread the word. Lately, I've taken to this. I've said, you know, if your friend has a smartphone and with their permission, particularly an iPhone, um, you know, say, can I see that? Show them the podcast app, show them my show and say, hey, let me subscribe you for free with their permission. I mean that because people are walking around with perfect podcast receivers in their pocket and they don't realize they don't it. Know it. So, and, and hopefully, I mean, I don't know, I don't have an Android, but um, I know Google Play is doing their things. My my uh, shows are submitted to that. So I'm hopeful that that will, we'll be able to say that to Android users too, because right. so now, now there's some great, great apps, but it's so bifurcated and so scattered, uh, having one central place for podcasts on Android will be really great as well. Well, you mentioned that you got your first sponsor six months 
uh, from starting, which was cool that they approached you, Mm because for the record, that's not the norm. Yeah, and that was 2009, so... So how how long did it take you then when you finally cut cords with the day job? It was June of 2012. So, so, so three seven. years, three years. I mean, it was it was seven seven years from the beginning of podcasting. Right. And after I got my first sponsor, I got my first sponsor probably in early two thousand nine. Okay. So that would be yeah three three years. three years yeah. I mean the thing is is that this is not an overnight success, and there may right. be people out there who can launch a podcast and have it become serial. You know, and, and I'm not talking Cheerios, but <laughs> become yeah. cereal in six months. I'm not that person. Yeah. I had to grow it, uh, uh, what, uh, low and slow, that's the tempo, you know. That's well, what have you tried over the years that didn't work? Anything? Well, actually, I tried doing a lot of, uh, this is something I'm going to scale back on. I'm not going to mention the name, but I was doing a ton of Twitter. Mm. I was Twittering 20 times a day with one of the automated things and hoping to grow my Twitter following. And I was doing it in a very ethical way. I wasn't, you know, what is it, Twitter bombing? Twitter bombing, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do it. But I was tweeting out stories in the paranormal. Mm-hmm. I was tweeting out my stuff, too. You know, if you want to listen to this episode, here's the link to my, you know, my site. Um, and my followers just stayed flat. I'm not saying that can't work for some people. That didn't work for me. But that is, it's a very important point. I think that the idea is to keep growing and keep trying different things till you find things that work for you. And just because something works for Dave Jackson or Jim Harold or Leo Laporte or whoever it might be, or Mark Marin, or not comparing myself to those people, but just because it works for one person doesn't mean it'll work necessarily for you or your audience right. in terms of marketing. Now, I think there's certain things that are universals. Try to have the best sound you can have. Uh, try to be ethical. Try to be consist- consistent in your production schedule. Uh, those kind of things, I think, are givens. But but just because some marketing thing works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. Well, speaking of sounding good, I would be uh, people would email me and say you didn't ask him about his gear. So being <laughs> being a radio background, what uh, what kind of gear are you playing with these days? It's just very um, you know very basic. I you know for most of the years that I did this. I used, um, well, I started off with a headset within a few months. And those those podcasts are still available in the Plus Club. Makes my ears bleed to listen to them, but they're still there. Um, then I went to like a Samson USB mic and used that for several years and recorded right into my computer. And then finally I made the big plunge. And this is only three, maybe three, four years ago. Went to, uh, you know, I've got a Behringer uh, noise gate compressor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mackie mixer and the old uh, Heil PR40 with the uh, boom arm. I mean, it's like the standard kit, you know, with the right. Sony uh, Sony uh, headphones. Those ones that have been around for like thirty years. I forget the V6 or whatever they're called. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have the drawer full of microphones? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I've got I've got this one, which is the 2005, which is fantastic. The Audio Technica 2005, which you have as well. Actually, a TV mic that I use for conferences. Um, it's an Electro Voice. It's like the one stick mic you see, like the reporters with. Right. And it's a little task cam. I think it's a DR100 mini recorder. That is great, by the way, folks. I think Daniel J. Lewis um, did a did a um, video uh, did, yeah did a video on that recorder. He was a little critical, but it's very cool because you can go and do on the street interviews, and you have one piece, and then it has. Uh, a little monitor out of the recorder so you can listen, you know, monitor your sound. And I just bought another wireless lav mic because I'm going to be doing 
I'm planning on doing one-man band video shoots hmm. with my iPhone <laughs> because there's really some impressive people doing this stuff. There's this one guy, you look him up, Glenn Mulcahy, and he is like a mojo guru out of Ireland, and he works for Irish television. You know, they have state-sponsored television over there. And he's training their journalists to shoot with nothing but an iPhone and good audio gear, the idea being that in video, the thing that often gets overlooked is the audio. You can have, I mean, an iPhone now, a modern iPhone, iPhone 6 or 6S, they shoot HD or maybe Androids, they, they shoot HD video, very good quality video, but the audio is horrible, but there's ways to get audio into that. And I'm going to be experimenting with going out and doing some one-man band kind of little packages, kind of like I envisioned something like you'd see, obviously not to this level because I'm one person, but like a Sunday morning package, uh, video package where I interview somebody who's maybe in something in the paranormal, an expert, a psychic, you know, whomever it might be, a ghost hunter and that kind of things, and, and doing some of that stuff. I've done some video with the Paranormal Report. We had a video podcast for a couple of years. So I want to do more video. That's the next thing. But I picked up an Audio-Technica wireless lav mic. That was my latest acquisition. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> that would be a good T-shirt. Don't tell my wife. All right. Three more questions, and we'll get something to eat. Um, what is the hardest part of podcasting for you right now? I think that the, the, the hardest thing is sometimes, and that's why I welcome this, is the isolation. Mm. You know, I'm used to working at a radio station, sometimes at a radio station where you had three or four stations together. So you had a staff, you had camaraderie. Sometimes this can be a very isolated way to earn a living. Uh, now, that's... Uh, leveled out a bit by my audience who is fantastic they've been nothing but supportive to me i have colleagues i work with i have a co-host a great co-host actually for my site over the last six months i've hired five writers and believe me it's not like a full-time gig but they write articles every month and so i have some colleagues and my va and people i work with but it's not exactly the same so sometimes it could be a little you know a little here uh, isolationist so it's nice to actually get out and see somebody face to face yeah there are days when the only person i talk to is my cat and that just makes me feel yeah, sad yeah <laughs> well the funny thing is my wife is at home all day but she also she works a remote job she's a speech therapist she does telepractice over the computer with kids in oregon which is amazing to me but the funny thing is she's in her office i'm in my office so we probably won't see each other for hours right. so you're just kind of all by yourself do you, do you have a favorite story, paranormal story? Paranormal. Favorite paranormal story. The one that I'm thinking of is way too long. Okay. But I will tell you one that happened to my wife. And my wife kind of believes in this stuff, but she's not somebody who would have uh, a pyramid under her bed or anything like that. And she certainly wouldn't go ghost hunting. But uh, my mother-in-law uh, was Catholic, and my wife's Catholic. And this is back uh, just maybe a couple weeks before 9-11. My mother-in-law had been really sick, and uh, she came home basically to die uh, at home hospice, at her home. And we had been over there. Now, let me be very clear. There was no expectation that it was imminent, like going to be that day or the next day. We right. thought we had a, maybe a few weeks or whatever. That night, my wife was over there, and my mother-in-law was trying to rush her out. Like, well, you got to go home. you got to be home with Jim and the kids. So anyway... She left, and she's like, I don't know why she wanted me not here. About, I think, one thirty or 2 in the morning. It's in the book. I don't remember off the top of my head. My wife wakes up and is looking over my shoulder, and she sees 
Mother Mary. She thinks, that's weird. And she thought, boy, Mother Mary looks different than any picture I've ever seen of her. Right. And then she looked beautiful and peaceful, is the way my wife put it. And then she vanished. And my wife went back to sleep. Now, I should say that Mother Mary was like, that was like my mother-in-law's jam. I mean, (laughs) she loved Mother Mary. She gave roses to Mother Mary at her wedding and all these different things. She was very big into Mother Mary. About a half hour later, the phone rings. My father-in-law's online. My wife answers. Um, and he says, well, she's, she's gone. And my wife's like, who's gone? What are you, what are you talking about? Right. And your mother, she just died about a half hour ago. Now, again, my wife's a professional. Right. She believes in the supernatural, but she's not wacky with it. Right. But you take her story and you multiply it hundreds of times. And I've heard different stories. It might be Mother Mary one time. It might be I saw my uncle. I had a dream about my uncle. I mean, I've heard so much of this that I believe that they're credible people that have real stories that bear telling. Yep. I have one very similar. My my uh, my dad cut, my dad died a couple years ago. Uh. And it, uh, my aunt had this very vivid dream of him saying, hey, sis, I just wanted you to know I'm, I'm leaving and I'm okay. And she said it was really wacky because she woke up, looked at the clock, it was 3 in the morning, and got up and went to the bathroom, came back to bed and went to bed. Well, my dad had died that night at 3 in the morning. Yeah. So. And, and the funny thing is, is that almost everybody says what you say. Well, that reminds me of a, almost everybody has <laughs> a, a story. story. Even if you're not like Mr. Supernatural in the black T-shirt and the ghost hunting meters and, and all that. Not, and I don't mean to cast dispersions on those people, but there's a lot more just regular everyday people who have experienced strange things. And those are the stories that I gravitate towards. And if they want to share their story and they want to hear your podcast. Yeah. JimHerald.com. Again, focus on the free stuff. Get the, the free stuff. JimHerald.com. J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. Also, you can check out the TV podcast, TVYouGrewUpWith.com. And they're both available wherever fine podcasts are heard, except for Spotify, which I'll have to work on. I hope that you enjoy it. And if you want to sign up, there's a spot right there at my site at JimHerald.com. It says Camp Sign Up. Uh, it's JimHerald.com slash Campfire. So I hope you guys will check it out. Cool. And we'll have links to all this out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 503, along with all of Jim's books and all that other good stuff. So, Jim, thank you so much, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm so glad we were able to connect after all of this time. I applaud you for everything you've done for the podcasting community and many tips and tips I've taken advantage of. So I really appreciate it. Uh, You do a lot for the community and uh, continued success and and congrats on Libsyn. Thank you, my friend. That's uh, as you listen to this now, uh, I'm starting. I'm actually in Pittsburgh as we speak. Wow. Yes. You're talented. You're in two places at once. <laughs> All right. Jim, very nice guy. And uh, if you listen to his podcast, it's good. Like I listened to an episode and what he does is he does a really good job of, again, why I hope I did this today. I explained why he's on the show. He's making a living with his podcast. That's why we wanted to hear what Jim was saying today. And Jim did the same thing. I was listening to an episode and there's this guy who's all involved in this Phoenix thing. And then they listed his credits and they went on forever. So it was all like, here's why this guy's on the show. And this is what we're going to talk about. He did that right up front. This is what we're going to talk about today. Here's the guy that's coming on. Here's why he's here. Awesome. Really good stuff. And again, 
I don't think he's doing it in a very professional way. And by that, I don't mean that he talks like this. He just takes it seriously. It's not three guys talking about ghosts, dude. Now, one last thing as we head out the door here, you're probably thinking, Dave, I thought you said last week the School of Podcasting would be open. Really long story short, the company I use to manage the back end of it uh, started a manual review process. So I flipped the switch on Saturday and it's probably going to take a day or two for them to look at it, I guess, to make sure that it works. And then it's open. So this is kind of like in the past, I've said, always make sure you're in iTunes, people can get to you, you're live, and then launch your big launch date, if that's what you're going to do. Yeah, apparently that applies to JVZoo, which is the company that I use as well. Don't say you'll be live on Saturday if you're not already live. So that was a little learning lesson. But we do have a lot of really great content coming up in the future. I'll be interviewing Danny Pena, Hall of Fame podcaster, another person that's making a living from his podcast. We have a really cool Because of My Podcast story. We've got Last Five and Fives. And, of course, anything you would like to talk about, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact to find out when the School of Podcasting opens. Best thing to do, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter. And uh, I will see you next week with another episode of... The School of Podcasting's morning announcements. Take care. Until next week, class is dismissed. God bless. Stay tuned for Bernie. If you like what you hear, then go tell somebody. If you like what you hear, then go tell All right, let's see if Bernie missed me. Hi, buddy. Did you miss me? Huh? You did? You missed me? Yeah? Hi, buddy. Yeah. I was gone. And now I'm home. What do you think? Alright, buddy. Well, I'm home. The purring has begun. I know. All right.